0: We have a building committee in the church, and a couple weeks ago, I sat around in a room with maybe about seven men or so, and we were talking about various needs of the church. So we had a very extensive and detailed conversation about the HVAC units in in the building, Uh, very exciting types of things that we do, Uh, although it is exciting if we get too hot or too cold. So, you know, it's an important conversation. We talked about things like security, and we talked about noise separation between the offices, Of course, we had a conversation about our parking lot. If you have been part of City Life for any length of time, you know that our parking lot presents uh, Lake Michigan 1 and Lake Michigan 2 anytime we have a lot of rain. So just kind of processing what we can do there. We had a long conversation about our roof maintenance and just some maintaining things that we need to do in terms of uh, a hanging Some hanging conduit And we have a couple chimneys up there that we have to deal with And some pipes and some braces And so just a, ver- a variety of things related to that In fact, if I could just put this plug in there for the roof We have, as Kelsey just mentioned, two work days coming up this week at the church Thursday night and Saturday morning We would love it if you could come for even a portion of one of those On Thursday night, we are assembling a roof team to specifically work on our roof. And we're talking about roofs today, so I thought this was a valid thing to bring up in the service today. But these men brought their expertise to the table. We had conversations and dialogue, and we problem-solved together and tried to figure out what are the best ways to fix some of these things in the church and and just maintain the facility that God has given to us and to steward that well. And at one point, we were trying to th- brainstorm creatively about a problem. And one of the men said, let's get the blueprints out. Somebody go get the blueprints. Let, let's get out the blueprints. So I went and got the blueprints, and we, we spread them out, and we looked at all the details of this, how the rooms were arranged and got into the nitty-gritty of how everything was laid out, and it sparked some creative conversation about what we could do. And so I thought of this particular group of men from City Life when I read the passage today from Luke chapter 5 because it talked about a group of men who were trying to think creatively about a problem. Men who had some construction knowledge, or some unconstruction knowledge at least, and a group of men who weren't afraid to tear a house apart in order to get to Jesus. So maybe, church, if some Sunday you walk into the sanctuary and there's a big hole in our sanctuary roof, you can blame the building committee because they got creative and we're trying to do something there. And lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier? A few weeks ago, we explored this passage of scripture from the perspective of the Pharisees. The Pharisees who were skeptical seekers. And last week, we talked about the challenge to be community together. How we need one another, and we're better when we rely on one another and receive help and give help. And today, I want to dig a little bit further into the community dynamics, and specifically look at the interactions of friends. Friends. We've been talking about Fall Fest. It's our Fall Kickoff Sunday. We call it our Friends and Family Day. It's a day in which we we say, this is your day to invite your friends to church. Your friends who are unchurched or de-churched or formerly churched, but people who need to connect somewhere. It's a day to assist you and support you as you can do the work of being witnesses for Christ, something that Jesus has actually called all of his followers to. Because we're operating under the premise that when you really know Jesus, you'll want others to know him too. When you really know Jesus, you'll want others to know him too. Let's do some kind of silly examples. I once overheard a conversation in which someone was, was saying, oh, exercise is so great. Everybody should exercise. You just get this boost. You just feel so good. Everybody should exercise. And the person they were saying it to said, well, you're just saying that because you're exercising and you're excited about it right now. True, true. But the person was. They were very excited about that. Or maybe you're watching a show on, on Netflix right now. There's a show that you're really enjoying. And you, what do you do? You tell people about it. You say, hey, I, I, you tell your friend, I saw this show. It's really good. Yeah, I think you might like it. Because it's something that we enjoy and it brings some sort of happiness to our lives. And so we want to tell other people, we want you to enjoy this too. Or maybe there's a new video game release and you're a gamer. And so you talk about these things. You talk to other gamers. You even, you even talk to other people who aren't gamers. I mean, I'm not a gamer and I hear all sorts of stuff from the gamers in my house. Like, you got to check out, like, there's this new release that's coming. I'm like, oh, good, good, okay, good. But, but, but the people are excited. So they talk about the things that, that they're excited about. Maybe there's a TikTok video. It's really funny. So you share it on social media. Well, see, we, we talk about and we tell other people about I might even use the phrase we evangelize about the things that are important to us. The things that make our lives better or happier. The things that help us in our lives. And we want people who we care about to know the same goodness that we do. And I hope That we can increasingly talk more openly, more sincerely, and more enthusiastically about Jesus. Sharing about how good Jesus makes our lives. Believing that he can make other people's lives good too. I think these conversations, that we're talking today about these conversations with friends who need to be brought to Jesus. I think these conversations begin and I think we put the training wheels on when we practice these things at home having spiritual conversations with our family members, having spiritual conversations with our Christian friends, we, as we begin practicing talking about these things, we realize I, uh, there's lots that I can share about the goodness of God. And so this passage in Luke 5 is a passage about faith and Pharisees, it's a passage about uh, being paralyzed and walking, it's a passage about miracles and healings, but it's also a passage about Christian friendship. So let's look at the friends. what what do we notice about the friends? These friends, they somehow hear, I mean, everybody hears, that Jesus has come to town. And they have heard that Jesus does miracles. They have heard that people who have been not well have been healed by being with Jesus. And they believe that Jesus can help their friend. Because these friends have a friend. These friends have a friend who's, Who's paralyzed? He's going through a hard time. He's, he's a friend who's stuck. A friend who is struggling. Anybody know a friend who's stuck? A friend who's struggling? He's a friend who has a need. A need that's beyond what they can meet. And so this man has a problem, a, a, a really significant problem. And these four friends, they want to jump in. These four friends are become his transportation team. They are his Uber drivers. They are his carpooling team. They are his chauffeurs. And this man needed not just one friend, he, didn't, he needed four friends to carry the four corners of his mat whenever he wanted to go somewhere. So let's look at these, at seven characteristics of the four friends. The first characteristic of these four friends is that they are believers. They believe Jesus can help their friends. They believe Jesus can make the difference that this friend needs. They say to their friend, we've got to get you to Jesus because they believe Jesus can do what he needs. They believe in the power of Jesus to change their friend's life. Church, do you believe in the power of Jesus to change your friend's lives? They believe that Jesus can help them. And this is why it is so important that we have friends in our lives who share belief with us this is why it's important that you have christian friends who point you to jesus who redirect you to jesus who when you're wavering in your faith can say get back on the path who when you're starting to fall off to the side say get back in the center get jesus as your focus get back in line come on this is why it's important to date a christian for those of you who are not married this is why you need to, if you are a believer, you need to date someone who is a believer too. Not in name only, but in reality. And so there you can help each other stay focused on Jesus. You can help each other be centered in Jesus. If you are a believer, you're called to be a different kind of friend, is my point. If you are a, a Christian friend your friendships are going to look different than non-Christian friendships because you have Jesus and his scripture as your foundation, as your focus, as the light for your path. You are following God, you're worshiping God, and it puts you on a specific trajectory in life. And so if you're a believer like these four friends, your friendship to others should always be pointing your friends toward Jesus. And I would suggest to you that if your friendship to other people, if you're a Christian and your friendship to other people isn't pointing people toward Jesus, that maybe you need to become a better friend to them. The second characteristic of these friends is that they care. They they care about this paralyzed man. Now, these these friends, I'm, I'm sure this man had plenty of people who knew him, but not everybody cared enough to get him into the presence of Jesus. You see the difference there? We all have friends who need to be in the presence of Jesus, and I think there's a question of, do we care enough? Do we love them so deeply? Do we have a fully formed love that longs to bring them into the presence of Jesus? The third characteristic of these friends is they decide to organize for action. Here's what they don't do. The four friends don't go running to the man on the, the paralyzed man on the mat and say, guess what? Jesus is in town. Isn't that cool? All right, we'll see you later. We're going to go listen to Jesus. They, they actually organize for action. They say, guess what? Jesus is in town. Isn't that cool? Let's get together. We need four of us to carry the mat. Someone tell the friend. Somebody get the mat. Everybody take a corner. Let's go. They make a plan, and they organize for action. Friendships just take action, don't they? I mean, when, when you're a kid, they kind of just happen naturally. I mean, it's really beautiful to see young, young kids, like really little kids. They kind of just have to, like, be in proximity of a couple feet of each other, and then they become friends. Like, they just figure it out. But as we get older, like, you get into elementary school, it gets a little more complicated. You get into middle school, it's a little more complicated. High school, young adulthood, adulthood, adults. You think that by the time you grow up, you're going to figure it out as an adult, but friendship can be complicated as an adult. And friendships take action. They take some intentionality. They take, let's, we have to spend time. It's not going to form without time. We'll take action to have friendship. So they organize. They said, we're going to take, we're going to make a plan to get this man connected to Jesus. We're going to take some time to get this man connected to Jesus. We're even going to cooperate with a few of us together to get this man to Jesus. There's a whole little community group process involved in helping to make sure this man can connect with Jesus. Christian friendships do that. We help each other reach people for Jesus, we organize, we spend time, we try. The fourth characteristic of these friends is they labor together. They work at it. The passage of Scripture says that the men came carrying the man. I'm kind of curious how big this person was. I mean, was he, how big of a guy was he? Because depending on the answer to that, depends on how hard of a project it was to to cart him around. I mean, he could have been a big guy, maybe not, who knows. But I can imagine that when you have four people kind of all coordinating together to, to try to carry a mat along, that it's a little bit awkward to just get in sync and to try to coordinate carrying a man through town on unpaved roads to get to Jesus. So, so they work together. Sometimes it just takes time and effort to reach unreached people for Jesus. Jesus. I think that's something that we, we wrestle with a lot when we think about what does it mean for me to reach out to somebody who is not connected to Jesus and I want them to connect with Jesus. How much work should it be? And I think sometimes we think if it's too hard, then it's a sign we're not supposed to do it. Or if it's too hard or if it's too complicated or it takes too long, we're like, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to be pushy. But the reality is, is it all comes down to love how much do we really love our friend, and how much do we truly believe that Jesus is the answer to everything this person needs? And so when we're convinced of those things, we'll carry heavy burdens together. We will labor together. We will work together. The fifth characteristic of the friends is that they persist through barriers. So the friends go go to the man, they say, we're gonna go, everybody grab a corner, we're gonna take the mat, we're gonna go. They travel through the town, they eventually come to the house. We know from the passage Jesus is teaching inside of a house. Jesus is teaching there and the, the Pharisees and some of the other religious leaders of the time were seated in the house listening to him in the prominent seats of honor. And then everybody else was crowded around, filling the rest of the floor space, filling the windows and the doors, and as many people as possible were packed into this house. In fact, the people were overflowing through the windows and through the doors because there were so many. So there were crowds, and there were crowds, and there were crowds of people just wanting to get close to the house. And you can be sure that this man was not the only one seeking healing from Jesus on that day. There's this person, and this person, and this person, and this person, and this one. And everybody just wants to get to the presence of Jesus. And so, when the four friends and the man approach the house, then they see the house, and they see the layers, and the layers, and the layers, and the layers, and the layers layers of the crowd. They have to persist through these barriers. And I imagine man number one holding the 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 top the the um, northwest corner of the of the mat. He says let's fight our way through the crowd. We've got a mat here. Let's just like, you know, let's just fight our way through. We can part some people. Maybe maybe another man said something like, let's get a battering ram like the Romans and just shove our way in. You know, that'll, then we can get to Jesus. And the paralyzed man's like, no, you're going to create more paralyzed people if you do that. That's a bad idea. Uh, And maybe another friend said something like, well, we could tunnel our way underground and pop up under the floor. And they say, nope, that's a terrible idea. That's ridiculous. No, And then somebody comes up with the idea of, well, let's go through the roof. And they say, oh, good idea. (laughs) They could have, at this point, turned around and said, sorry, friend, we tried. Let's go home. They could have, at this point, said, I tried to bring my friend to Jesus. It just didn't work out today but they're not going to take no for an answer. And church, if you are trying to help a friend connect with Jesus, you have to be prepared to persist when there are barriers, to not give up too soon, to not give up too easily, to not give up at the first idea or the second idea or the third idea, but to persist through barriers in bringing your friend to Jesus because Jesus is that good. And just like our building committee as they're trying to figure out a new angle on a problem they said let's pull out the blueprints let's dig in these men they they essentially pull out the blueprints they don't have actual blueprints but they start to size up the house and they think how can we get in there and as they analyzed the house it probably was made out of stone and it, it had some sort of flat roof most of the houses of that time had a flat roof and there was most likely a staircase on the outside side of the house that was used to get to that flat roof. We know lots of houses looked like that in the ancient Near East and in, in the time of Jesus. And the, that second-story flat kind of area was used almost like a patio, like how we would use one today. So sometimes farmers use it for threshing grain. Sometimes they use it as an extra guest room for people to sleep on. But, but it, was the, it was probably a flat roof that had an exterior staircase up to it. Whatever it is, they somehow... Decide that going through the roof is a good idea and they somehow get up there. They're problem solving. They are problem solving engineers and construction workers. (laughs) They're not afraid of a little bit of dirt. They're not afraid of a little bit of a repair job. They're not afraid of a remodeling project. They're not afraid of what people will think. They're clearly not afraid of what people will think because clearly people think it's crazy, which is why it makes it as a story in the Bible. But these men are driven. These men are driven. They are driven by a love for their friend who needs to be in the presence of Jesus. They are driven by a conviction that Jesus is the answer to what this person needs. They are driven by desperation and by a sincere trust that Jesus is the way. And I wonder, church, are we driven, can we be driven by the same? Can we be driven to love our friends who need Jesus in the same way? Well, they they carry the man up the stairs, they carry him to the second floor. I, I just imagine how awkward it must have been carrying someone on a mat, on some sort of stretcher upstairs. I'm curious how that went. And they, they bring him upstairs, and they start to dig. So they start to dig. Meanwhile, underneath the roof, we've got Jesus and we've got Pharisees. And I imagine that, that I, we don't know how this happened, but it, it had to be something like debris and dirt start falling, right, in the middle of Jesus' teaching. So Jesus is teaching, and there's stuff falling from the ceiling. I'm imagining at this point Jesus probably stops speaking because no one's going to listen to him anyway because everybody's looking up. And as they look up, there's more and more dirt coming, people start to step aside a little bit, and sky breaks through. And suddenly there's lights in the house, a lot of lights and everyone's thinking, what is going on? Then the brightness, the an op- a large opening is made in the roof. I wonder what the homeowners were thinking right now. <laughs> and the, the bright sky, all of a sudden, it gets filled with a dark shadow, and something starts to come down at the people. And it comes lower and lower and lower with the man on the mat. Meanwhile, up on the roof, each of the friends have a corner, and they're slowly, 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 shimmering, shimmying that rope down, lower and lower, trying to keep it as steady as possible, lowering and lowering the rope. The sixth thing that the friends do is they hold the rope. They hold the rope they don't let go. They work together. They're the link between the man and Jesus. They hold the rope. Luke 5.20 When Jesus sought their faith, the faith of the rope holders, the faith of the man. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up Take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. The man is healed physically and spiritually because he met Jesus. The man is healed both physically and spiritually because his friends held the rope. Because his friends got him, brought him, persevered with him, made the hole in the roof, and lowered the rope. The man was healed physically and spiritually because his friends held the rope. I wonder, where would you be today if you had not had someone in your life holding the rope for you? Someone who said, I'm just, I want to, I want to encourage you to come to Jesus. I'm going to direct you, come on this way, come on. Let's refocus on Jesus. Come Come and meet Jesus. Let me bring you to this man I know who's everything you've ever needed. Who in your life has held the rope for you? And my other question is, Who are you holding the rope for? Who are you holding the rope for? Who's on the other end of a rope that you're holding? We all have friends who need to meet Jesus. We all have friends who need to get into the presence of God. We have this Fall Fest thing coming up in a couple weeks. It'll be a good Sunday. It'll, it's always a good Sunday. It's always a fun Sunday. We always have a good time together. But it's not the only time that we reach out to people. It's just a time when we specifically set it aside to help remind ourselves, this is who we are as God's people. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Who are you holding the rope for? And here's the thing, church. Church. If his friends hadn't held the rope, he wouldn't have gotten healed. And if someone hadn't held the rope for us, who's to say where we would be today? And if we don't hold the rope for others, who's to say who might be missed? What if the man hadn't had any believing friends? What if no one would bring him to Jesus? What if no one thought that he specifically needed the goodness of Jesus in his life? Church, we have friends who need to be in the presence of Jesus, friends who need to be brought close to him, friends who need to be maybe tugged a little bit, friends who need to be encouraged and nurtured and supported in coming to connect with Jesus. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to invite you today to hold the rope for somebody. That the Holy Spirit even now has people in mind that you are connected to. That he wants you to reach out to. And I think that if you ask the Lord, Lord, who do you want me to hold the rope for? I think he will answer you. The the friends are, are the link. The friends are the link between Jesus and the man. Jesus has made us his body, and together we participate with Jesus in his work. He says, this is how I'm getting things done, church. I'm working through you. It's what I want to do. It brings me joy to work this way. And I want you to be my hands and feet. I want you to experience the joy of doing my work with me. So who are you holding the rope for? Who are you going to help connect to Jesus? Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, Everyone will call on the name of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That's you. The scriptures are saying, people can't get saved unless they hear about me. Will you let them hear about me? Fall Fest is simply an organized opportunity for you to live the kind of life that Jesus asks you to, to to be a friend bringing another friend to Jesus. Who will you hold the rope for? I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes and ask the Lord Lord, who do you want me to hold the rope for? Who are the unsaved or just disconnected from you people? That need to be in your presence. Who do I need to hold the rope for? In just a few moments, we're going to sing a song. And you'll have an opportunity to come forward and take a piece of rope. And as we sing, I want you to come forward and and take, take this rope. Take it back to your seat. And picture who might be at the other end of that rope. And as we sing to simply pray, pray for that person. Hold them before God. Ask God to do. Ask God to draw them to himself. Ask God to help you have courage to be who you need to be. Ask God to draw them to himself. Will you please stand? Let's sing, and please come forward and take a rope and pray. Use it as a tool of prayer.